This episode of the Austin Spotlight is an interview I did with Grant King. Grant is a personal chef with an unwavering love for the kitchen. The inspiration he received from his mother, along with the knowledge acquired from some of his favorite chefs, have led him to develop his own cooking style and entertainment. I hope you enjoyed the episode and would love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. Today, I am thankful to be joined with Grant King. How's it going, Grant? Hey, what's going on? It is going pretty well today. I can't complain. Like you said, the weather is okay. It's there. It cool. The biggest difference is that it's, I mean, still, I think maybe going to get a hundred day, but it actually like cools down a little bit. Like it's not 95 at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's like, okay, it's like mildly comfortable in the morning or, or late in the evening kind of thing. Yeah, I was I was seeing that next week it's supposed to be, I want to say, a couple of days over 100, and I'm just, I'll tell you what, I'm from Texas, I'm so ready for it to be winter again. I don't care if there's a, a snowpocalypse, I'm ready for it. <laughs> yes, that is the one thing about this time of year is like, people are like, after four or five months of it, you're like, okay, I'm ready for it to be done. As much as I prefer the heat over the cold, you know, four or five months of 90, 100 degree weather, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to be good. I'm ready to be good. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So uh, Grant's uh, actually a chef and a renowned social media influencer uh, who does a lot of cooking uh, videos and stuff. And so on the chance to uh, get a chance to talk to him about his passions and how he kind of got started, uh, especially because a lot of times we don't realize that some of these people that we're seeing on social media are actually right here in our backyard here in Austin. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's 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 wild, actually, whenever I think about, you know, who is actually literally right around us in the city. You know, it there's people here that you, you would just not expect. Um, mm-hmm. There's celebrities everywhere. There's people like yourself, you know, very successful business owners um, just walking all around us. And most of them here in Austin, uh, you know, are wearing shorts and a T-shirt. You would never even know it. Yeah, it is. The, the Austin vibe definitely has the. Um the kind of Silicon Valley vibe, engineer vibe of where you just kind of, you know, wear what you want to and stuff, which is, which is cool versus the East coast or Midwest vibe, or it would be kind of more dressed up and stuff. And so, yeah, you can go to a place like a really nice restaurant like Jeffrey's and not mm-hmm. everyone's sitting there in dress shirt and slacks and stuff. Uh, I think having, again, as, as we kind of fall back to the temperatures, I think that has an impact on it too. It's like, it's pretty hard to want to you know wear too much dress clothes when you're going to have to get out of the car and, and immediately start sweating yeah uh, that way too so it's it's tough when you want to though because it, it is the case you know you're going to be sweating um yeah. it's just it's interesting we're such a casual city here you know and it, it, the people are all around you i'll tell you that i used to um I, you know katie four you know mm-hmm. obviously the mutual acquaintance that we have whenever she recruited me into uh our old company where we were selling custom suits my top clients the most successful guys that i worked with uh, all wore shorts and t-shirts. They did not dress up. And sometimes whenever I'd walk into their office, they almost looked down at me because I was dressed up here in Austin, Texas. It was kind of like a reverse, you know, whereas if you were in New York, you oh, see yeah. somebody walking in shorts and t-shirt and you're like, oh, that guy's struggling to make it. Here in Austin, though, somebody's wearing a suit and you're like, oh, that guy's, you know, really trying. <laughs> yeah, try, try, like almost trying too hard. Like, what's he, yeah. you know, what's he, you know, going to a job interview or something like that? What's he hiding? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're you're a chef. You, uh, again, are on a lot of different social media platforms, kind of um, giving out, doling out recipes, different ideas and stuff that way. What kind of, what 
initially is your kind of origin story about maybe coming to Austin. Again, I know a lot of people yeah. uh, aren't locals here when it comes to Austin, but kind of what, what was your uh, origin story about how you kind of got into that line of work and how you got here to Austin, Texas? Oh, gosh. Uh, okay, I'll try and be quick about it. I'll kind of give you the rough breakdown. Um, I'm originally from Houston, so I didn't stray too far. Um, I came up here in 2014. Uh, I was following a girl, uh, like always, you know, and that didn't work out, but it led me to the great city of Austin. Um, I ended up uh, going to community college here for one year before I went down to Texas State and San Marcos, right? So, um, got in there, went to Texas state at the time I was planning to be a pharmacist. Actually, I was a pharmacist technician, uh, all through college. That was my goal and my dream. Um, it's funny. I say this now and I kind of joke about it. I saw the movie Wolf of wall street. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going into business school. Never mind pharmacy. I'm going to be a business major. And I look back at it now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I idolized that movie of all movies. Right. Um, so I get down there, I go into business school for marketing. I end up joining a sales program and just get really heavily involved with all that, um, that kind of stuff, you know, and from there I met, um, you know, I met the company that I ended up going to work for out of college, which is where I sold custom suits. So I went into essentially hard sales, just, you know, direct sales for about three years is how long I did that. Um, ended up, you know, realizing that just, you know, wasn't right for me, wasn't the right market for that specific job line. So, uh, I ended up leaving there 2020, um, in January, Ju no, 2019. I, no, it was 2020. I apologize. Just before COVID hit, it was like two months before COVID hit. So my goal, actually, I, I didn't have a job lined up, but I needed out. So I, I told myself I'm going to get my real estate license and go into real estate and, um, so that was my goal. I ended up leaving there. I actually was like driving Uber, you know, driving Lyft for a couple of months in between while I was studying for that license. <clears throat> and I ended up, COVID ended up happening, right? So all the testing facilities, all the Pearson testing facilities closed down. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of left in this weird limbo place. I had no job lined up. Uh, I couldn't take my test for however long, you know, ended up being about three more months before I was able to actually take my test and go into real estate. Um, so in the meantime, I had a buddy, we ended up, he was already doing glass blowing. He had a glass blowing company. And so we got together and we actually ended up starting a woodworking company together in that, in that time frame. Uh, and I ended up actually doing that full time until I really got my, uh, my real estate career going. So I even did that into real estate until I could finally, you know, it's hundred percent commission in that world. So until I was really bringing in you know, enough money residually for it to make sense. Um, I ended up getting out of that at a, after about eight months. Um, I ended up <laughs> kind of dabbled in a few things, right? And th at the same time, I was also, I was doing a part-time gig with a company here in Austin uh, where we would essentially bring the East Coast oyster experience to your private party. So we were, I was shucking oysters at private parties, essentially. And not something I had ever planned to do. One of my old clients from my old suit selling days, he reached out to me and said, Hey man, I got a, I got something I think you might be interested in. We're starting this company. If you want to be part of a startup, you know, you could be one of our first guys. I was like, all right, that sounds good. Um, so from there, your, it, your, your Wolf of Wall Street brain was like, Ooh, so part of a startup. Like I can entrepreneurial, right? Yeah. I mean, 
I could even go back. I'll tell you this. I'll go back as far as even in intermediate school, right? Seventh grade. I remember I was like, I, I saw an opportunity, right? These kids in, in school would, uh, if you asked them for a piece of bubble gum, they would say, yeah, 10 cents. And everybody's like, oh, 10 cents. I'll buy a piece of gum for 10 cents. You know, cause if you pull that pack out, otherwise it's gone. Right. So I was like, Ooh, these kids need packs of gum. So I had my mom drive me over to Costco and we would buy gum in bulk. I'd buy like 50 packs, like every couple of days, right. Or however much I could afford. I'd go to school and I'd sell the packs for a dollar a pack to these kids who would then flip them for, you know, like 10 cents a piece. Mm -hmm. um, and that actually, I, I never stopped selling either bubble gum or, you know, energy drinks or whatever it was like all through, all through middle school and high school. It was just something I always did sunglasses, bracelets, like whatever the trend was, I was always selling it. Um, so it was always there, you know, so whenever this, you know, startup hit me, I was like, yeah, sounds good. Um, so I'd been with them for about eight or nine months and I got thrown into a random party one day. Um, I went over and shot this party for a girl who's now a close friend. Actually, she's in real estate. Um, I ended up shucking this party for her and we stayed in contact. She ended up calling me a few weeks later and saying, Hey, I want you back at the party. I was like, cool, we'll do another party. And she ended up calling me, uh, again, uh, another like month later and said, Hey, I got a birthday party coming up. I'd like you, if you're interested to be a personal chef at my birthday, is that something that you could do? I see that you do, you know, cooking online. And that it was about 2020 Christmas time where I was like, you know what, like I'm going to start making cooking videos. You know, I have a passion for cooking. Uh, I'm going to start just like throwing something up. So I, I started that on YouTube and she saw that. So she ended up saying, Hey, like, I'd love for you to come over, you know, and if you can just, you know, do my birthday party. And I said, yeah, I'll figure it out for sure. Uh, I saw an opportunity and, um, we ended up executing that one. I had one friend with me on that one. And, uh, ever since, you know, I've kind of just, it's kind of like, you know, getting that one under your belt and mm -hmm. then you can say it, you know, Hey, like I do personal chef stuff. I do private cooking classes, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's, kind of how that's really how i got into where i'm at now where does your passion for uh cooking come from uh i was uh i was kind of a, a big kid um you know my favorite show to watch whenever i was a kid was actually you know the food network whatever was on food network whether it be you know rachel ray bobby flay emeril Lagasse, like that was what i was always watching and I like to eat, you know, so when I saw them cooking, it inspired me to go in the kitchen and my mom would always cook. So I go in there and say, hey, let me help out. Let me cook with you. And um, I think, you know, the passion really came into play. It was always there. You know, I've always enjoyed cooking. It's always been an outlet. Um, it wasn't until college whenever I had to really provide for myself, you know, and I, I was on a I was a broke kid on a budget, you know, so I had to I had to get creative. You know, if I wanted to make a can of tuna to taste different, I had to figure, you know, out 50 different recipes for that can of tuna, you know what I mean? So um, I would say, you know, very young childhood, especially with my mom, and just food network, and then just really experimenting over the years is where it, it started to really come out. Interesting. Do you yeah. have? Um, do you have kind of a style or kind of favorite genre of cooking that you enjoy doing? Um, more than others? To, mm, it's it's tough. I've uh, I've really started enjoying cooking uh, Asian cuisine. 
Korean, uh, you know, Japanese, just like those types of flavors, I would say just make a lot of sense to me. And I didn't really pick that up until probably, you know, about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, I would say that's my, that's my forte. Um, but I can cook just about anything. I would say. Yeah. I mean, it makes some sense. I mean, I don't know. You're probably younger than I am. So like, I remember again, growing up, it didn't feel like there, it doesn't feel like there was as much cultural diversity in our food. Mm. I grew up in a small town, so that didn't help either. Right. In Houston, there was probably more cultural diversity than in a small town that there would be, but like, it was, it was less about, you know, one day you're going to go to a Japanese restaurant. The next day you're going to go to an Italian restaurant. The next day you're going to do Tex-Mex and stuff like that. So it wasn't, you know, yeah. that, that much variety in the types of foods and stuff that you usually ate. So it's probably not super surprising that growing up with your mom, it wasn't quite as, a diverse uh, cooking uh, education. And, and I'll, t I'll tell you this, you know, we grew up in Houston, uh, in the suburbs of Houston. I would say, you know, every third meal I ate had some kind of, you know, Tex-Mex influence to it. Um, and, you know, her, her mom was, you know, Southern born. So uh, we were always eating Cajun food and, you know, Mexican food. I feel like that was really what we ate. So I had that background. And then, um, my dad actually, so my parents divorced. My dad got remarried to a Colombian woman, and I ended up picking up a lot of that Colombian culinary influence as well, uh, which is very different from you know you know Mexican and Spanish types sure. of food. So um, from a young age, I was able to incorporate that, which I thought was just really cool. And then you know over the years, just different you know things really influenced my style of cooking. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting again, even, or even as, even as diverse as Houston or, or Austin yeah. be in, in their food, like it still pales in, in comparison to the true diversity of different foods and stuff out there. And there's a lot of people, myself included, who, while I like different types of foods, like it's still, I'm still okay with the Americanized version of a lot of those types of foods versus yeah. like, versus sometimes like the true authentic. It doesn't have to be um, totally traditional. Yeah. It's what, what is, what's your, what's your favorite kind of food to eat? Uh, I mean, it kind of very, like, I, I mean, I love Italian, but I don't eat it very often. I'm not, I actually ah. don't think there's a ton of great Italian restaurants in, in Austin, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, I'm, as someone who likes to be pretty healthy, I tend to eat a lot of you know, chicken, vegetables, um, those kind of things. So lots of quinoa, not so much in the quinoa, brown rice, you know, gotcha. sweet potatoes. So there's a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of, uh, you know, change stuff up. I actually am fortunate for someone who wants to eat healthy. And I think, I feel like a lot of people that I know who are into health and fitness, like I, I'm able to eat kind of a similar diet and it mm. doesn't bore me the way that some people do, right? Mm. For some people, like if you had to eat the same thing, if you had to eat the same thing during the same week, it would be like, no, I can't do this. It's got to be different and stuff. And so, yeah. Um, and, and so whether that's a product of not having a great food taste or whether it's just a product of uh, kind of being uh, okay with it in that regard, I, I don't necessarily know, but, uh, but yeah, so just, so it just kind of depends, but it's interesting to go to different places. It's also interesting to go, Another thing is as someone who's more into like health and fitness, mm. like cooking what you get at a restaurant versus what you can cook from home. And, and you know, obviously what you can get at a restaurant tastes so much better, but there's mm. also a lot of things in there that like aren't necessary. And so like I remember going uh, one of the first times I got into Mexico, having actual Mexican tacos and those kind of things like the 
it was the flavors were different. Even the health components felt different than going to a Mexican restaurant yeah. in the United States where it's like, you know, throwing a lot of extra butter and having cheese all this and all, that stuff, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The, the cheese in Mexico was amazing, but it, I'm sure it would, the shelf life of it probably wouldn't have been as good as it, as it is here. But it's like, well, if you just eat it sooner, then it's going to, then it tastes better. It's healthier for you. And it's yeah, fresher uh, and all those kind of things. Yeah. I would say, I would say you're totally on track with that, especially having, you know, being into fitness, um, eating out is actually very tough when you're mm-hmm. trying to maintain a diet. And, uh, back in 2019, I actually, I went through a very, you know, fitness intensive, uh, change in my life. I, I decided I'm going to get in shape, you know, um, and diet, I tried keto and you can't eat anywhere if you're doing keto. I, I, I few places you can eat, but you're going to spend so much money just trying to get the right food. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, you know, cooking at home is so important. And I'll tell you what, I do idolize the fact that you can just eat, you know, the basic stuff, chicken and veggies and rice regularly. I really wish I could do that because I yeah. would be in much better shape. <laughs> yeah. No, again, I say it's, it's- like, like most things in life, we either see it as like, like th- most people tend to see the thing that they do well and they oh, I really wish I, you know, oh, I wish I could, you know, taste the flavors or cook the way you do. Right. And it's, it's like the people that can cook that, like, oh, I kind of wish I could, you know, I wish I enjoyed just kind of some of the basics and it wouldn't take, you know, an hour out of my life to, to yeah. cook every single meal and stuff that way. So it's, it's kind of interesting to me how sometimes we take for granted the things that we do well in life. Um, and are always kind of looking to other people. Like, oh, I would, if I could only cook like they could or something like that. And that same person is like, oh, if I could enjoy some of the basics uh, more regularly, that would be cool as well. Totally. And I'll, I'll even say this, you know, I think when we do things well, we automatically assume that others do as well, sure. you know, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Um, and I forget that a lot of people don't know how to cook. I really yeah. do. So and. I'll say this, you know, imposter syndrome. I'm sure you know all about this being in the world of sales, you know, and um, it creeps in, you know, when you don't even realize it. And when I first got the opportunity to become a personal chef, for instance, to me, I was like, why do you need me to, you know, why do you need me to come and cook for you? I don't understand. Like, y'all probably know how to do that, right? You you, you can probably cook really well. Why don't you just cook it up for your friends? And I, I forget that not everybody, you know, knows how to sell a house. Not everybody knows, you know, mortgage banking and, you know, you know, just knowing how to cook and things like that, you know. So um, it's interesting when you talk, especially the diet side of it, that's a whole nother layer to it. So kudos to you for for your efforts and all that. I appreciate it. Yeah. I noticed that in your background there, you got a couple of different guitars and stuff. So is you, I'm assuming you know how to play them or are they just yeah cool wall decorations so whenever i was in high school uh no i was i was 12 years old i got my first drum set i actually i bought my first drum set with my own money it was like the proudest day of my life i had been saving up and i bought this drum set best investment i ever made i'm not even kidding um been playing that since i was about 12 been playing guitar since i was about 15 um my dream was always to be a rock star back in back in high school that I told people I was like I'm gonna be a rock star I'm gonna be Travis Barker you know just wait um and it's funny too you know people ask how I got into music really whenever I was I was not the best kid uh I was I I loved entertainment I loved just getting a rise out of people I loved 
you know, the reactions that people would give me. And so I was always trying to crack jokes. I was always, you know, school was not something I cared about. Um, so I was grounded, <laughs> I was grounded between the age of, I want to say about 14 and a half until I was like 17, until I got my grades together. I'm not even kidding. There was like a two year stretch where I was just straight grounded, uh, because my grades were low and my brother gave me a guitar. He said, Hey, here's a guitar. Why don't you keep yourself busy? I said, sweet. You know, cause at the time drums was kind of on the back burner and that was probably like the second best thing that fell into my my lap in high school specifically was the fact that I got grounded, actually taught me. I taught myself how to play guitar and now it's one of my biggest passions. Do you, yeah. ever get to, do you just play for yourself then or do you get a chance to play um, professionally or at, you know, at places? Uh, so nowadays it's really just for myself. Um, yeah. And during COVID, I started producing music as well. So that was initially it was for myself. And I was like, oh, you know, I can start selling, you know, like my music. It's I can start selling beats and, you know, rhythms and stuff like that. And then I realized ah, I don't really care to do that. Back in the day, though, I did play in a few bands. I played in my church band as my first band. I played in a hardcore band. I played in um, kind of like a John Mayer slash Black Keys type of band. Um I would say I would go back. I would play in a band if I had more time. I just don't have time for it. <laughs> you can you can at least produce the music for the background music for your YouTube videos, right? Like you can produce your your intro and outro for your you know for your videos. So I did that actually. That was whenever I started on YouTube. Um, one of my, I started on YouTube with the idea that everything I'm doing now is going to be part of my brand later on. Mm-hmm. So from day one, I was plugging affiliate links. I was only using my own music on YouTube um, just for all the copyright reasons. So I mm-hmm. was all my music was in the background. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't do that on TikTok and Instagram just because the way that those platforms work, they want you to yeah. use their music, yeah. but YouTube specifically. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, yeah. and so like I'm with TikTok, kind of the platform that really kind of blew up your your brand that way just with the exposure and i'm assuming the format worked out really well for you as well so interestingly i you know and and again back to one of these things that you know anybody in sales knows this anybody that is successful knows that it takes time uh, Mm -hmm. for things to happen right so i really do believe that anybody could go on social media and you know really gain if they want to be a rock star if they want to be a you know a comedian if they want to be a chef whatever it is i believe that anybody can do that if they just stick with it long enough and continue to grow in their craft right so at first it wasn't easy actually i was posting stuff all the time and i'd get you know a couple hundred views a couple hundred there um 10 views there you know for a long time actually i didn't I, I was posting content overall uh, for about a year and a half before I even had, you know, it was about a year before I had my first thousand followers. And then it was about a year and a half before I even hit, you know, 10,000 followers. So it was a long, it was a long period of, you know, just posting and not really seeing any results. So, but TikTok definitely is the platform that allows you to have the most organic growth sure. of all of them. Yeah. What do you think? What was... <laughs> what helped you continue through that process? Right. Because for a lot of people, if it was, you know, if it was going to take, if it took a year for that, for only a thousand 
followers, which again yeah. is not insignificant, but in today's world of social media feels insignificant. Um, they would have given up three months into that, let alone you know nine, nine months into that. What was what kind of helped keep you motivated to stay to stay the course and keep going that direction, uh, especially because like I say you you have a lot of different interests. So it's not as if you couldn't have pivoted to something else mm -hmm. um, during that time frame as well. So it's funny that you say that. And uh, I know we were kind of before this chatting a little bit about Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Gary, uh, in just like a short clip that I saw, mentioned one time that if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what you want to do, if you don't know what you're passionate about, try something new every four to six months until you figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. And so COVID for kind of, you know, take a step away from the question for a second. COVID, I think I, I did about 10 different positions, just trying to figure out what I wanted because I was gun ho for a long time that I was going to be a professional suit selling guy for the rest of my life. So whenever that ended, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, what do I really like? Um, you know, so and I, I pondered that and I reflected and realized that food is something I really do enjoy. And the idea of, for instance, being on MasterChef or something like that had always just like made me, you know, excited. I was like, oh, that's that right there would be so cool. Um, so I would say, you know, fast forward to whenever I was about a year in, uh, I always actually from day one, whenever I started, I had the vision up top already. It was there, you know, and I just knew that if I did X, Y, Z, if I executed on more of the tasks, you know, uh, to get to the goal that I would eventually get there. Um, also too, I'll say that, you know, I, I reached out to a lot of other social media people, uh, really early on, especially once I got into the, you know, YouTube and TikTok side of things, I reached out to a bunch of guys that, you know, just, I saw on there and realized, Hey, like, you know, this guy really knows what he's doing, or this girl really knows what she's doing. Let me reach out and see if, they would give me a little advice, you know, so I was reaching out saying, Hey, you know, uh, what I had no clue. I, I don't have a background in content creation or videography or audio or anything like that. Sure. So I'll reach out and say, Hey, I really like what you're doing. What kind of uh, audio and camera equipment are you using? Because your content is great. And for some reason they, you know, they were all like, Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. This guy's real. Uh, this is what I'm doing. So, I did, I, you know, I gained a, a handful of, you know, closer, I would say even now today, kind of like mentors from a very young age that I had to gain their respect, not age, but, you know, early on in my social media career, um, I, I had to gain their respect. So they were slow to give me, you know, their attention. But um, over time, though, they really gave me support and reminded me that, hey, just keep what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Like you have a personality here you just keep doing what you're doing, man, like you will get there. Kind of like, you know, how I, you know, preach it now. Like I really do believe that. So that really helped out my mindset. Yeah. It gave you the perspective that you don't yeah. have when you're going through it the first time that yes, it feels like progress isn't being made, but it really is like you're getting better at the videos. You're getting yeah um, better at the production. You're getting that, you know, vault of, of documentation and stuff uh, or of videos that eventually when that tipping point happens is gonna, it makes all the difference in the world because totally every, everyone even you know people who have millions of followers at some point started with no followers and yes again the occasional person 
you know, like when Tom Brady finally got on, I can't remember if it was like Instagram or whatever. Yeah, great. For the first time that he did it, he, I'm sure he got a million followers really quick, but he'd also spent all the time getting really good at the other stuff that he had done to allow him to have that kind of a thing. And yet a lot of us like to think that we should be able to get on there, get on a platform and just immediately start to see success. Yeah. Right away, so. And, you know, it's funny that you say that too, because most people do look at, for instance, Tom Brady and they're like, oh, Tom Brady, you know, got on TikTok and, you know, went from a zero to a million in a week, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't take him a week to go zero to a million. It took him 42 years. Exactly. Of his life. It took him his whole life to get to the point where he can do that, you know? So, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's an interesting perspective, um, that I think a lot of people don't, don't necessarily take when it comes to the, the challenges, the, the success that other people have, right? Like it's, yeah. most people like to, like to excuse the success that other people have, unfortunately, instead of realizing that mm-hmm. almost all success comes with a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, time and effort, blood, sweat and tears kind of thing. So. Totally. And I, and I think with, you know, everything, but like with social media, it's so prominent these days and you really only see the best of the best of the best videos, right? That's mm-hmm. all that you see because that's all that the platform supports, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what people compare themselves to. So when they're posting videos, you know, for the first time and it's not very great and it's not getting, you know, 50,000 views off the bat because that's all they see, it's very discouraging. Um, and I think it's really important for, you know, anybody and that wants to go into something like this to remember that we all start from a different place, you know? And so for me, uh, one of the very, you know, things that, one of the things that really, you know, inspired me was hearing these people's stories was here and I would, I would ask them like, Hey, like, what was your upbringing in social media? Like, were you, you know, did you post a video and immediately get 50,000 followers or did you have to grind for a year and a half before you got there? Uh, and I heard, you know, all sorts of stories, you know, I heard, you know, I had one guy I know, um, who's very big now. He, he posted a video like his second week and it got like 130 million views and gained a hundred thousand followers overnight. Uh, so for him, you know, the trajectory was totally different from somebody like me who's been in it for now, you know, almost two years and I'm just sitting at about 90,000, you know? So, um, it's just important to remember that we all start from a different place, you know, different skill set, different knowledge, different, you know, not everybody even has the ability to make a video a day, right. Or even a video a week, you know, some people, you know, are, you know, just trying to get by. So for them to be able to afford the equipment alone, you know, so we all got to start from somewhere. Um, just start starting is the is the biggest thing. And that's what, part of why it's super important that you enjoy the process of it versus yeah. just versus just enjoying the end results. Like, ooh, I want to be social media famous or, have, you know, whatever, make, earning this much money. Well, if, if that's the only reason you're doing it, you're not likely to stick with it through the challenging times of. Uh, yeah. Of being- for sure. And you're, I would say it's actually very unlikely that you're even going to be happy when you attain that anyways. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, cause then you gotta, you still gotta keep it up. You don't suddenly hit this one thing and then you just don't do anything anymore. Like if that, if, totally. that's, if you're, if your goal is to be a social media content creator, then you're going to have to continue to make social media content. Yeah. Like, Oh, I, I, I hit a million followers. Now what? Oh man, it doesn't feel nearly as cool as I thought it would. And now what, what do I do? You know, I guess I got to set another big goal and another one and another one, you know, so really enjoying every, you know, every aspect of the process is so important. Like you said. 
So obviously you're still doing videos um, mm -hmm. on social media. Do you do still the personal chef side of mm -hmm. things as well? So, and I'll tell you this, I actually, so I have a full-time job. I work at Google. Um, that's what I do 40 hours a week, right? I do relationship management. I essentially took my knowledge of real estate and now I'm on more of the relationship management side of real estate for Google Fiber specifically. Um, and then I, my goal is to create two videos a week right now, um, in a very specific style that I've been doing, which each video requires about eight hours of time, um, from start to finish. So, uh, and then I do personal chef stuff it, it just depends i'm very i covet my time so i only take on events that i know are going to be you know just worth my time so i'm doing in the next two months for instance i'm doing um i have one personal chef event lined up the second week of october uh and then in november i'm actually going to be cooking at the austin mac and cheese festival Nice. So, yeah, so that was something I, I got the, the offer to do that. And I was like, that, that'll be worth my time. I can do that one for sure. So, so yes, I do um, to an extent. Nice. That's cool. But no, it's, it's nice to be able to, again, having the full-time job allows you, you know, obviously one, it restricts how much time you have, mm -hmm. but it also allows you to be a little bit more uh, particular on the types of jobs that you want to take because you're not having to scrap and claw for mm -hmm. you know, rent and all those kind of things through just totally. Uh, just the cooking side of things so i have a uh, one of my mentors actually in uh you know in what i'm doing he's another content creator and he's got a really significant following i just recently actually was reaching out saying i was like hey i need your advice you know like i really want to turn this into a full-time gig so what can i do to you know get out of my nine to five and really just start to do this full-time and he gave me some interesting advice he said you know what you're actually very fortunate that you don't have to do this full-time yet because people that do, you know, have to rely on their, you know, content for income, that's where they start to sell out. That's where they start to take on deals, you know, brand deals that don't actually really fit with their, you know, their, their align goals. With, align, with, align with their mission and with their goals and with their character and stuff. Totally. A hundred percent, you know, start doing things that, you know, you wouldn't usually be doing. So that really changed my perspective, you know, back to like, wow, you know what? You're right. I am fortunate that I have a full-time income to where I can build this thing out slowly and properly. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah. for people who um, want to, you know, follow you to get some great cooking ideas or, you know, potentially have a, a need for a personal chef, what are kind of some of the best ways to, to follow along or to get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably the best way. I have a website, um, you know, if you want to book me, you can go to my website. I sell my products on there as well. I have a seasoning and I have, you know, some merch that you can get. Um, it honestly, I respond to every one of my social, uh, my Instagram, um, direct messages. So if you want to reach out to me there, you know, that's where, if you have just questions regarding, you know, anything at all, honestly, if you're just curious about how to get into social media, if you want to, you know, you know, talk about having me out for a party, you know, I would say uh, Instagram or email. Uh, my email is on my social platform as well. I mean, this podcast is going to live indefinitely. So when you, you yeah. know, in five years, when you're at a million followers and yeah. someone hears this podcast and it says, oh, I still answer all my DMs. Just, you know. yeah, right. Uh, definitely my email too. Um, yeah. GK cooking, uh, just type in GK cooking and you'll find me. Find me. 
That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, yeah. to do the podcast. It's uh, been really interesting to hear your story and hear uh, different the different things you got going on. It's um, again the you know scrolling through scrolling through social media and looking at all the amazing recipes and being like. Oh, I really should really should do that. And I'm like, I don't have any of that in my house. So then it, that makes it easier to, to not, if, you know, if I had all the stuff sitting around, I'd be like, Oh, I got to do that. But yeah, the, uh, the motivation to get to the grocery store or to have the uh, delivery service, finally get the ingredients here. And then you're like, why, why did I order this stuff again? Oh, okay. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah, that guy, that guy. Right, got right, me. Right. I'll tell you this, you know, I, I know that my stuff is hard to recreate. Um, my content, I, I'm more on the entertainment side than I am the, you know, educational side these days. So I totally get that. If you, you know, you order all this stuff and you're like, how am I going to do this? That doesn't even make sense. But uh, no, it's I, fun I, for you, right? Like again, right? Like it's not, not that there's, I mean, there definitely are the cooking stuff that is, Hey, here's what you can have for supper tonight kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's also fun to see, um, see different things i because i can't remember it right off the top of my head we'll have to wait till we probably get off here but there's a baker that i've seen on tiktok who just mm. creates the absolute most ridiculous over the top mm. um creations and there's literally one another another chef who all he does is like um you talk about the chocolate busy. guy yeah he, yeah there's, there's other guy who all he does is basically rates other videos that he gets tagged in. Yeah. So I don't even know if he puts out his own content and stuff, but now all he does is he gets tagged in that guy's stuff. And so it's hilarious. I know, I know exactly who you're talking to. Him and I actually had, we kind of had like a little back and forth. Uh, a, a few, he's, he wears a chef coat and he's always in a kitchen, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He, he and I, I commented on one of his posts and he was like, he responded. He was like, dude, what do you, I, it was funny actually. We like went back and forth for a minute. He ended up reaching out afterwards and was like, uh hey man just want to let you know like i wasn't trying to be uh you know i wasn't trying to be a jerk i just had to like keep up the persona you know what i mean so it's funny the stuff that he does though is just absolutely yeah crazy, so. yeah the chocolate guy you can't recreate that stuff so no. i totally get it you know and uh but to what you're saying you know I, I really appreciate you having me on it's been fun just chatting it up and um you know my goal was to inspire people so i hope that you know somebody on here even just one person heard something that was inspiring to them yeah. And just and to stick with it, right? Whether that yeah. thing be cooking or whatever passion it is for for you, like just you know stick with it and enjoy it. And um, again, the the journey is, is is hopefully as fun as the end goals. Yeah, you know, and you know, I know we need to get jumping, but you know, one of the last thing I'll say is passion is so important to me. You know, it's just it's one of the reasons why I think I can you know be a it keeps me alive. You know what I mean? Um, if I didn't, you know, pursue my passions, I don't know what I would be doing. And I, you know, I, I push everybody to, you know, find something they're passionate about. If you're not passionate about something, try multiple things, you know, go and take a basket weaving class, go and, you know, try some, you know, singing lessons or whatever, until you find something that you're really, really interested in, because it'll change you as a person for sure. And, you know, stick with it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, appreciate you. Uh, joining the podcast today and um, of course thank you the continued uh, success in your cooking ventures hey i appreciate it troy